All right, well, let's pray one more time. We're gonna, we're gonna um, finish up our series on grace this morning. We did a little four-part series on grace, and we're talking specifically about God's empowering presence. God's empowering presence. That is a huge aspect and component of God's grace. And so, Lord, we just wanna invite you one more time. First of all, we wanna invite your empowering presence. God, help us hear this, understand it. God, help us apply this into our lives. Um, Lord, would you teach us truth that maybe we don't know? Lord, remind us of things that maybe we have neglected or forgotten. But Lord, even if everything that we talk about this morning is familiar territory, God, I, I pray that just more and more, we would be walking in the power of your gracious presence. God, what an incredible gift that, that you want us to know you and, and to be in living relationship with you. And God, there's all kinds of things that flow out of that. We're gonna talk a lot this morning, God, about the results of that. But God, first of all, I just, I don't, I don't wanna miss just how unbelievable it is that you wanna be with me, to know me, to walk with me, to love me as your son. God, with all my faults and failings and flaws, God, you take me as I am. And God, thank you that you are graciously making me new. Lord, you make us new. So thank you for your presence in our lives. Would you be our guide this morning? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, well, we've covered a lot of territory already in this series. We've talked about grace, just the presence of grace in our lives just to save us, to rescue us from sin how grace uh, comforts us. Like when, when life is hard and difficult, God is present with us, seeing us through. Last Sunday, we looked really specifically um, at, at grace related to, to God being our father and how he graciously comes and he parents us as father and, and brings us into that relationship as sons and daughters with all that that means. And so this morning, we're gonna talk about God's empowering presence. We're gonna camp out in Acts chapter four, We'll have the scriptures on the screen, but you can follow along in your Bible if you'd like to do that and go ahead and turn there. And so to give us a sense of this, you know, there's a story we looked at not, not too long ago in Acts chapter three. And, and Acts chapter four is really a continuation of that story. And so in brief, in Acts chapter three, the day of Pentecost has already come. The church has kind of officially been born. Several thousand people came to a saving knowledge of Jesus that day. And so now here come Peter and John, uh, heading into the temple in the morning and they, they come across a man who's been lame since birth and the guy miraculously receives healing. He rises up and walks after a lifetime of being lame. And so this obviously creates quite a buzz. And so Peter uses the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus with everyone present that's crowding around. And he doesn't hold back. He shares the beauty and the majesty of Jesus and his sacrificial love for us. And then he calls them to action. He calls them to repent. And so we're gonna pick up the story now in Acts chapter four. This is kind of the fallout of all of those circumstances. And so Acts chapter four, beginning in verse one, says, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them 
and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Friends, there will always be opposition to God's grace. And it will never be strong enough to stop it. That's God's empowering presence. In the midst of those obstacles, even leading to the arrest of Peter and John, their number swelled to 5,000. Okay, I'm not great at math, but if there were about 3,000 of them before this, and there's 5,000 now, then we got 2,000 people that just got saved by the grace of God. And so what I wanna do this morning as we move into this, and this is by no means limited to this, but I wanna give us some framework to think about God's empowering presence in our lives. And so we're gonna look at kind of three key ways that God's grace shows up in our lives to empower us as followers of Jesus. Three key ways. The first one is that he comes in power to give us new identity and a new destiny. New identity and a new destiny. So here's Peter and John. They're now imprisoned overnight because they're boldly sharing their faith. And they, they, you know, if you're in prison overnight, I can only imagine like you got some time to think, right? And, and we need to remember something, guys. This isn't disconnected from all the other events that have been transpiring. We're like six weeks, maybe eight weeks out from Jesus' death and resurrection, they are under arrest by those very same people who had Jesus killed. They know how far those guys are willing to go. And so they're in prison overnight. They got time to think things over. And now the next morning they're brought before them and, and those rulers say to them in Acts uh, 4 verse 7, when they had set them in the midst, right? So, I mean, they're just surrounded, by, by this mob of angry Sadducees, the chief priests, the leaders. And they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? What gives you the right to come in here and act like that? This is a crucial moment. Their, their response can be any number of things. I wonder what my response would be. I hope by the grace of God, I would respond the way they do. I, I don't know. But look at their response. I love this. Acts 4, verse 8. First of all, just the first little bit of the verse. Then Peter, on his own with his knees shaking, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, There is one thing that is different than six weeks before around a fire at another trial by these same people. And when it might cost him something, what did Peter do? Not once, not twice, but three times. I don't even know him. I don't even know him. What's changed? 
not just the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. That was powerful. That brought grace to restore Peter into right relationship. That brought forgiveness. It wasn't just Christ's death on the cross. It was the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And now Peter is boldly taking a stand. There is power in his life that was not there just a few weeks before. This is the key. Peter is filled with the presence of God. When I'm talking to you guys this morning about the power of grace, it is not this this random little thing that God kind of goes like, here you go, Julie, and then he steps back. He hasn't handed me power that I now have to figure out what to do with. The power is in his presence. Guys, the grace of God is that he's present in my life. I get to live in and experience his gracious presence, his nearness, giving me all that I need. And so Peter's not alone. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and look what follows. He speaks up, rulers of the people and elders. He knows who he's facing. If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, then let it be known to all of you and to all of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. No longer denying, he's now testifying. I got, you know, in in our church this morning, like we don't really have this dynamic, but like there's some other churches we could visit in town that would better capture this moment. There would be some hankies getting waved, some shouts of preach and amen. And like Peter's testifying boldly, declaring. And then he goes on, verse 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. He's quoting Old Testament scripture, affirming Jesus as the Messiah. Verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter boldly uses this opportunity filled with the power of God to declare God's grace through salvation. God's grace changes lives. God's grace brings salvation to the lost. Friends, we know that. I hope we know that. We believe that. God's grace, it changes lives. It rescues us. And friends, it is right and good that when we think about amazing grace, we reflect back on our past, where God has brought me from where I was, how he saved me, how he rescued me. That's right and that's good. And Peter uses this opportunity to do that. But friends, the connection I want you to see this morning is that as followers of Jesus, when his grace shows up in our lives and his power comes, it's not just about rescuing us from the past. 
Friends, his power gives us a new identity. See, as Peter is talking about what grace can do for us in our past, he's doing it in his new identity. He's operating in all new power, all new destiny. Jesus told him a while back, hey, fishermen, I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. He's there. Friends, the thing some of us need to hear this morning is this. As glorious as it is that God has redeemed us from our past, we need to make sure that we aren't just leaving grace back there. Constantly just kind of looking back and going, oh, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for what he did then. I'm, I'm aware of how, how messed up I was and man, he got me out of that. Or even just staying in a place where, where his grace just sort of like, he's just rescuing me and getting me by. Listen, he does that, right? We preached on that. I believe that. But, but I think for many of us as believers, grace kind of stays in those two camps. Like God's grace touched my life and saved me back there. Or by God's grace, I'm just kind of getting by. I'm hanging in, I'm holding on. Friends, God's grace empowers us to step into new territory, to be who he's called us to be in our day. New identity, new territory. I'm grateful for God, what God rescued me from. What's he doing now? What power and authority am I walking in now? Not because I'm something, but because he is in me and he's with me and he's empowering me in this new identity. Notice Notice what their enemies recognized. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Guys, that's where the power comes from, being with Jesus. Not Jesus glanced off of their life. Not like they had a brief moment or a brief encounter. They had been with him. They recognized these guys. These are the guys that have been following him around for years. These were the ones that showed up every so often in Jerusalem at this very temple with him while he was preaching and healing. They recognized that these guys had been with Jesus. Friends, the, the way we're gonna walk more and more into the identity that he has for us, the way we're gonna walk more and more in the destiny that God has in our lives is by cultivating this relationship, by being around our Savior Jesus, by being filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, by recognizing God as our Father. He rubs off on us and he fills us with his presence. And so guys, we can operate in grace because we're spending time with the Lord. That identity grows, it thrives, it flourishes. Listen, I don't know what this, this might mean for you this morning. This, this might just be something that's really encouraging 
and affirming of, of something you've already known to be true. Maybe you, you really have often just thought about grace as like the thing that rescues you from sin. But I really hope that we can recognize that when we get up on a really difficult Wednesday morning to face all the challenges of the day, that we carry with us the gracious presence of our God who is making us new. In and of myself, I might not be able to face what's ahead of me that day. But because of his presence in my life, I can. I can. He's got a destiny for me that day. At my job, with my family, whatever circumstance I'm facing, because he's with me and he's in me. And because I'm his, I carry him with me wherever I go. New identity, new territory. Listen, I face anxiety, I face fear, I face situations all the time that seem beyond me. And it's only by coming to the Lord that I get reminded of the fact that, that I can face it, not just barely getting by, like I can face it with some boldness and confidence because it never did rely on my strength. It never did rely on my smarts. I'm just an uneducated bro who's been with Jesus. I don't know if you know this, your pastor is a college dropout. Now, maybe I won't be your pastor after this morning once you've heard that. <laughs> the defining thing I can say about my life is by God's grace, like I've spent time with him. He loves me. He's rescued me. He's changed my life and he's given me a whole new identity. Man, it, if you'd known me in high school, you would not have thought that guy's gonna be in any kind of ministry. You would have said, he needs some ministry. Some pastor needs to get a hold of that guy. And I definitely never would have thought I, I would ever get up and speak in front of people. New identity, new destiny. Because God was gracious enough to love me, to accept me, and to invite me into a relationship. And I'm just silly enough to take him at his word and go, well, you wanna be with me, then I wanna be with you. And if you think I can go do that, then why wouldn't I believe that? If you believe that about me, why wouldn't I believe that? Why wouldn't I step into that? And you're not telling me to go do it on my own. You're saying, I'll be with you. I'll be in you. I'll move through your life. New identity, new destiny. Number two, God's empowering presence gives us strength in any circumstance. Gives us strength in any circumstance. So in the midst of everything else that has happened, even though these guys are kind of like, wow, we're sort of blown away by your boldness here and we see that you've been with Jesus. Um, they feel like they can't punish them any further because of the pressure, right? People are excited that this guy got healed. And so they issue them threats. They threaten them and then they release them. You're gonna stop talking about this Jesus. You're not gonna do this stuff around here anymore or, or much worse will happen to you. They threatened them with further problems and violence and then sent them off. And so they have now been threatened that they need to stop preaching Jesus. And so now Peter and John go back and they huddle up with the other believers. And we're gonna pick this up now in verse 23. 
when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. Don't, don't let that moment rush past. Think about this. In light of the threats and the difficulties they faced, they looked to the Lord. Friends, grace empowers us to look at obstacles and not pretend they're not there. That needs to be said. We don't pretend they're not there. There, there, are, there are groups that in a show of faith or whatever, try to like minimize problems or pretend like they're not real. And that's not, that's not how we muster up faith. Faith actually looks at the obstacle honestly. They showed up and say, oh, it wasn't that bad. It was, no, it was no big deal. We'll be all right. No, they showed up and said, here's what happened. We got arrested and then we got threatened and it's gonna cost us something if we keep speaking up in the name of Jesus. So they faced the obstacles honestly. But see, faith, faith or grace empowers us to do that. Like because God's grace is in my life, I don't have to hide from problems. I don't have to pretend like they're not there. I don't have to go, oh, I'm just not gonna look at that. I'm just not gonna think about that. No, I can face it honestly and then I can bring it to the Lord. And that's what they do. They brought it to the Lord. And so they go on and they spend a little time, they begin to reflect on God's power throughout history, what he's done in the past. They even comment in their prayer about man's resistance to him. And yet they pause and they go, but God, we invite you in light of your power historically, in the midst of the obstacles that we are facing right now, we invite your presence to come. And in verse 29, they say, and now Lord, look upon their threats so that they would stop. No, they didn't pray for the circumstances to change or the threats to go away. That's what I do. When I'm facing an obstacle and I go in faith to the Lord, my prayer is, Help, make it stop. Get me out of this horrible situation. Remove this obstacle. Now, I think that's human nature, but man, I'll tell you, as Americans, we are, we are not well equipped to deal with adversity. We are such a culture of comfort that the smallest little splinter in my heel, and I'm just like crippled, I'm out. They came to the Lord and they said, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. God, you know what we're praying for? Not that our circumstances get easier, but that you would give us boldness to face them and that you would move in the midst of these circumstances to touch other people. Would you move powerfully to touch other people in the midst of my hard circumstances? Y'all, I'll admit, I, I don't do this very well. I don't. 
They didn't plead for their circumstances to change. They asked for boldness in the midst of the circumstances and for God's power to continue to touch lives in the name of Jesus. That's what they prayed for. And guess what? God heard that. He heard their requests for help and power in light of the obstacles they were facing. And he responded. Look at the very next verse. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Once again, how did the power show up? The presence of God. The presence of God. Before we move on to our next point, I just, I want to pause right here and I want to, I want to ask you to consider something. Like, don't just brush past this. Consider this. Consider how much time do I spend praying for my circumstances to change? Or even do I go so far as to think that bad circumstances are due to the absence of God's presence? Do you ever find yourself thinking, where are you, God? Like that, that sense, that where are you God sense, that's where it flows from. It flows from thinking that bad circumstances imply that God is not present with me right now. Maybe he's unhappy with me. Maybe he's just distant. Maybe there's some other people that have a more special connection with him than I do. It's not true. Everybody just got filled. Everybody just got filled. Friends, the truth is those, those words have been on my lips. Like, I'm not talking about Jake's past 20 years ago. Like, recent. Like, these last two years, there have been some moments of, God, where are you? God, what's going on? Feels like you're not present. Feels like your power's not showing up. The amount of times I prayed God change these circumstances. Now listen, I believe we bring our needs to him, okay? This isn't about like not asking God to heal, not asking God to change things. We should. When I'm in rough circumstances, I believe we should bring those to him. God, do something. I'm just saying don't stop at asking him to change the circumstance. Go, go beyond that to God, whatever the circumstance. I mean, Jesus is our model, right? He's in the garden. He, he asked for the cross to go away. He did. Like, God, if this cup can pass, yet not my will, but yours be done. That's it right there. God, I bring you my circumstances. I bring you my trouble. I'm asking for a miracle. I'm asking you for, to change things. But God, I'm not gonna stop there. I'm gonna choose to believe that you are present because you've promised me that you'll never leave me or forsake me. You are present. And so God, in the midst of these circumstances, even if they don't change for a very long time, God, would you give me boldness? Would you give me power? to deal with what I'm facing? Would you give me strength for any circumstance? Friends, the bottom line is that grace isn't a lack of problems. 
or persecutions or attacks. In fact, those have been pretty much guaranteed. Jesus told us we'd face trouble. Grace instead is the presence of God that grants us boldness and power to operate in any circumstance. That's the empowering presence of God to operate in any circumstance. Last one. God's empowering presence brings an outpouring of gifts. They just prayed for it. God, would you heal? Would you move miraculously? Would you give us the ability to speak boldly? Like give us the words to speak. They prayed for God's empowering presence to pour out gifts. Look at the next couple verses. What are the results of them experiencing God's gracious presence? Verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. There was an outpouring of God's gifts, gifts of giving, serving, hospitality. I would even go so far as to say the the ability to love and forgive. Like if you're in unity, you better believe there's some forgiving happening. Unity is not the absence of of difficulties in relationship. It's, It's the presence of repentance and forgiveness, extending mercy. God gave them relational gifts that built them up and connected them. He gave them like empowering gifts, like healing and prophecy. We see it continue through Acts. God's power and gracious presence in our lives gives gifts when we need them. Now listen, just so that you don't just think like, well, Jake, you know, that's some of the amazing stories in Acts and it was the early church and just those early disciples. Like this is talked about throughout the New Testament. I wanna just show you a glimpse of this. Both Peter and Paul talking to churches that are out and beyond Jerusalem, moving into to second and third generation churches that are being spread. First example, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each has re- received a gift, as each, every member of the church community, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You see gift connected to grace? Verse 11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The gifts of grace show up to strengthen and build up the church to minister to people in need, and ultimately to give glory to God. Gifts are a part of God's empowering presence. Now, I want you to see something here. Anybody ever heard the phrase charismatic, right? You probably immediately think of a certain style of church or worship or whatever. Okay, well, charismatic doesn't just mean crazy people, okay? Occasionally it means that, I mean... It doesn't, it doesn't just mean crazy people. Charismatic comes from the Greek word charisma. And that Greek word charisma 
is where we get the English word gifts. Okay? Charisma. Charismatic. It's the gifts of the Spirit that are throughout the New Testament that God intended to give to his people for the building up of his church, for the power of the gospel being spread to a world that needs it, and for God to be glorified. Now, I want to take you even a step further. Maybe, Maybe you knew the charisma thing. Did you know that the root word of the Greek word charisma is charis? The C-H-A-R-I-S. And do you know what that English word is? Grace. The gifts are gifts of grace. They're gifts of grace. It's God's gracious gift that he gives some people boldness to stand up and preach. It's God's gracious gift that people get words of prophecy. Listen, do I, do I believe that occasionally people get insight into some future things? Yeah. But can I just tell you that most of the prophecy in Scripture is God speaking some, something specific in the moment to people who need to hear it. Prophecy is just the word of God that we need to hear right here in this moment. Prophecy can be God lays Alex on my heart and he gives me something that I need to say to him to to speak a word of encouragement. And I just go, hey, bro, I just like I need to tell you this. And I don't necessarily think it's a thus says the Lord. I just have this impression that I should share this thing with Alex. And Alex goes, whoa, that's exactly what I need to hear. Well, it's not because Jake's brilliant. It's because God wanted to make sure Alex heard something he needed to hear that day. God gives us gifts. He gives the gifts that are needed in the moment for the people that need them. They're gifts of grace. I highlighted those words. I don't know if they were highlighted on the screen, but each has received a gift, charisma. We're good stewards of God's very grace, charis, charis. His gracious gifts. He's given them to us to steward them. We're meant to operate in power. Hospitality is a gift. Serving is a gift. One more example. Paul uses these two words together in Romans 12, verses six through eight. Having gifts, charisma, that differ according to the grace, charis, given to us. Let us use them. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Friends, God's empowering presence gives us a new identity and destiny to walk in. His empowering presence gives us strength in the midst of any circumstance that we face. And God's empowering presence gives us gifts that we might use them and steward them well. Not to become Jake Spencer prophet with a badge and raise a bunch of money off of my prophetic 
stuff. <laughs> yeah, a sash. No, God forbid. It's for his glory. It's for his church to be built up and strengthened and cared for and encouraged. And it's for the gracious gospel of Jesus to a world that needs it. That's God's empowering presence. That's what's available to all of us when we walk with Jesus. Anybody want that? I want that. I want that. I'm grateful for what I got, but listen, whenever I think about like the the gifts, and I know it can be scary territory for some of us because we've seen things handled not well, but I also think some of it's just nervousness on our part. And I just wanna say, when it comes to, to what's in the Bible, I want nothing that's not there, right? I don't want anything that's not there, but I want everything that he has for me. Why would I settle for less? I want everything that he has for me. So let's pray. Let's invite his empowering presence to do this in us and to give us the ability to cooperate with him, to say yes. So heavenly father, we come before you right now. Thank you that we are your sons and daughters. Thank you that by your grace, we we have been rescued and saved from sin, from, from brokenness. God, from the destruction that sin brings into our lives. God, thank you that you've rescued us from that. God, we we thank you for your empowering presence in our lives. What a gift of grace that we have you, that you give us a new identity and destiny, Lord, that you give us strength in the midst of the circumstances that we face and that you pour out your gifts in our lives, not to be used selfishly, but God, that we might utilize them and steward them well to build up and encourage the body of believers and to share your grace and your truth with a world in need. God, would you maybe just highlight even one step we can take this week into this, one move on our part to say yes to your empowering presence. God, stretch us and grow us. And thank you, God, as we begin to take these steps, it's not our own strength, It's not our own wisdom. It's by your might, by your power, by your presence in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.